Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 71 of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast with your host, Ben Johnson. That is me. Thank you so much for listening. This is the sixth episode in our sixth season of podcasts. We have been running since 2016, and over the years, we have spoken to many of the leading lights in the world of martial arts cinema. Be sure to check out all of our previous episodes via our website, kungfumovieguide.com. We are also available through all the major podcasts podcast providers if you would like to get in touch with the show it is very easy to do so we are on twitter at kf movie guide we are also on facebook and instagram at kung fu movie guide and if you would like to send me an email the email address is hello at kung fu movie okay that's the plug over with we have a great conversation coming up on today's show with the Kung Fu star Philip Ng. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello there, Foo followers around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, wherever you are listening to this, welcome. Welcome one and all to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, episode 71. My name is Ben Johnson. Thank you so much for listening. How are you doing? Are you good? I hope you are. I hope you're keeping well. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're training. I hope you're keeping fit. You're staying healthy. I'm trying to do the same here. We're slowly coming out of hibernation, it feels, here in the UK. So things are starting to look up a little bit. Anyway, I do hope you are keeping well. Philip Ng is on the show today. Philip Ng, you know Philip, of course, from his role as Bruce Lee in the 2016 Hollywood biopic Birth of the Dragon. And maybe you know Philip from his 2014 kung fu film Once Upon a Time in Shanghai. He's a big Hong Kong film star. And he's a genuine kung fu guy as well. His 2019 film, Undercover Punch and Gun. Great title. It's available to watch now in North America on the streaming platform Haya TV. That's H-I-Y-A-H-T-V.com. And it's available now on Blu-ray, DVD and digital, courtesy of Wildgo USA. Head over to KungFuMovieGuide.com to read our review of Undercover Punch and Gun. It's a fun Hong Kong action comedy. It's sort of a love letter, I would say, to those stunt-filled Hong Kong action films from the 1980s and 90s. Philip stars in the film. He is also the action director, and he stars alongside his buddies Vaness Wu and Andy On. So it's sort of a triple header, I would say. Philip Van Andy have worked together loads over the last 20 years or so. Maybe not 20 years, nearly 20 years. And it's always great to see 
those guys on screen together. So I will throw over to my conversation with Philip Ng shortly. Just a few quick notes before I do. Mark your calendars, people, for the next Fighting Spirit Film Festival here in the UK. The annual martial arts movie event takes place in London on the 11th of September 2021. It's been running for six years now and I have been there since the very start. I've been something of a roving reporter at the uh, Fighting Spirit Film Festival, chatting to a lot of the filmmakers in attendance. Go and listen back to some of those previous episodes from previous Fighting Spirit Film Festivals in our archive. If you are a filmmaker and you're listening to this today on Monday the 14th of June and you have a short martial arts action film that you would like the Fighting Spirit team to consider for this event, then there is still time to submit it. Head over to filmfreeway.com forward slash Fighting Spirit Film Festival. You can submit your film there and who knows your movie might not only get screened but it might even win an award as well which is cool i should say this isn't a paid plug or anything i'm good friends with the organizers of fighting spirit film festival it's always such a wonderful event and sue cole and the whole team just put in so much work and effort and passion into really putting on a great event so look i'm going to be there i'm really looking forward to it and get to hang out and see everyone so save the date 11th of september 2021 head over to fightingspiritfilmfestival.com for more information one other thing i wanted to thank everyone for your lovely comments following the previous episode with brahim chab i wanted to read out a tweet there was a tweet here it came in from at jinxed thoughts and it reads great and interesting interview with brahim chab in episode 70 really enjoyed listening to his thoughts on how social media has affected up and coming talents yes we did speak uh, a bit about that he did share his opinions on social media and also the attitude of up-and-coming stunt performers and Brahim also talked about his work with the likes of Jackie Chan and Jean-Claude Van Damme and Donnie Yen so it was a real fascinating chat do go back and check it out if you haven't heard that episode already and if you do like what you hear then please do remember to leave a star rating or write a comment or write a review, tell your friends, whatever you can do to help spread the good word of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. That is very much appreciated. The website is the best place to find all of our contact information. You can also sign up to our mailing list there. You can read the latest martial arts movie reviews. You can donate to the Kung Fu Movie Guide. It's all there. Head over to kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, that's probably just about enough from me for now. Let's throw over now to my conversation with Philip Ng. This opportunity came up a couple of weeks ago now where I was asked if I would like to speak to Philip and I said yes, without a doubt. So I do have the team at Walgo USA to thank for setting this one up. So thank you so much, Sarah Clinton and Leif Helland. Thank you both so much for all your help with setting up this chat with Philip. The film is called Undercover Punch and Gun. It stars Philip Ng, Andy On, and Vanessa Wu. It's out now in North America, courtesy of Walgo USA. Okay then, I will be back at the very end of this conversation to sign off properly. But until then, here we go. This is me talking to the awesome Kung Fu movie star, Philip Ng. 
you are based in Hong Kong. Yes, I'm in Hong Kong at the moment. Yeah. How is Hong Kong today? It's good. It's good. Um, you know, the weather's not too bad. It's getting a little hot up here. I'm sure. Where are you? Where are you located, Ben? I am in London, so oh, I'm the all the there? way in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The British do like to talk about the weather, but it's uh, it is actually quite nice today. So that that makes a change. <laughs> I was I, w- I was filming in London actually. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, it was, uh, I was filming for two weeks. It was uh, for a TV show in Hong Kong. It was a, a wonderful experience. My first time in London, actually. I went to, oh, um, right. me and some of the cast members went to Thorpe Park. Is that the, your, your... Thorpe um, Park, yeah. The, yeah, the fairgrounds. Yeah, yeah, good one. Yeah, fun. good, good. Oh, well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I love Hong Kong, so um, I do miss it, actually. I'd like to, um, like to go back over. You've lived out in Hong Kong now for you know what 20 years now almost, almost like? 20 years almost 20 years yeah. not not, yeah. not counting when uh, you know i was born here you know and i was raised yeah. here when i was a little bit younger than then, then, then I, I moved to the states but but um yeah I, you know i've been back for a long time actually i've been here longer than i've been in the states so <laughs> yeah you like living out in hong kong then and i guess you know there's plenty of work out there as well isn't there which is which is the crucial thing well, I mean, yeah, I mean, like for, for my industry, my, I, I mean, my specific plans for coming back to Hong Kong was to actually, you know, to give it a give it a go in the, yeah. in the action movie business. And then, um, yeah, that was my specific reason. You know, obviously, it's the you know, origin of this stuff, right? You know, Hong Kong yeah. action movie, the origin of, you know, all, you know, all the fight scenes and all the kung fu scenes that you see in like, you know, all the Marvel movies and everything, you know, yeah. they originated here, you know, and, and I thought this was the best place to go to, to learn the craft and and uh, get some jobs. And uh, yeah. I was fortunate, you know, after a few years to be able to do that. Well, I want to I want to dive into that a little bit more because, and especially, you know, just generally working in Hong Kong and, um, you know, the sort of state of play over there because you're right, Hong Kong in the 80s and 90s during that golden age of action cinema was churning out hundreds of films a year. You know, it was yeah. a huge, one of the largest um, film production locations in the world. And Hollywood it's... The Hollywood of the East, absolutely. And it set the trend and influenced action cinema and still influencing action cinema today. Yeah, absolutely. But Phil, you've been there in the last 20 years, I guess where the industry has, it has changed quite a, quite considerably since those days, hasn't it? So Absolutely, absolutely. Don't say I, would, I was born in the, uh, in the wrong period, they said. Yeah. Um, you know, they said I would be, uh, I would, probably be a lot more prolific if i was um around in the 80s and 90s but i mean at the same time there are a lot more people doing this stuff in the 80s and 90s so you know maybe perhaps that i have more opportunities now so we don't know but also we should say you are actually a martial artist you know so is that does that seem is that that is quite rare in in hong kong you know it's um i you know i always i always say this you know i always am very impressed and very uh, i i uh I look up to actors who aren't who aren't action trained uh, to do action movies, but I, I think um, I think it's more convincing when you have someone who's actually trained in that in that in that discipline to do that thing to mm. to, to perform it as that character. But um, you know, I mean, I guess the trend is um, you know there's different trends now, right? Like that uh, than there were in the '80s and '90s, and I think uh, sometimes it's more marketable to perhaps. Um, a, train a pop star to do some kung fu and put him in a kung fu movie than perhaps put someone who is maybe lesser known but better at kung fu uh, in that role. I mean, I, you know, I think that's true around the world too, and especially now with better filming technologies and and CG and and you know basically exchange the face of the stunt double with the face of the actor. So I mean, you know, I mean the trend is is definitely changing. Yeah, you must feel like you're in quite a good position in the sense that 
you know, you're an English speaker, but you're a Cantonese speaker, Mandarin speaker as well. So my understanding is you get the best of, you know, all the, all the different markets. Is that how, how you see it? Uh, I, it wasn't, obviously it wasn't planned, you know. I, I mean, I obviously, yeah. and like I said before, I came to Hong Kong because I believed this was the place to learn the craft and this was the best place to, to gain that knowledge because this is where that stuff was invented, you know. And then, um, but then again, you know, because of my background, I think I do have an advantage. I mean, not not just... You know, not because, it wasn't something that was planned, obviously, because, um, you know, I was, you know, I didn't move to America by my choice. <laughs> you know, I didn't no. learn English by my <laughs> choice, right? But, but I mean, it's, it's good being bicultural, I think, and then uh, being able to, uh, you know, gauge both markets. And also right now is an advantage because the world is much smaller now, especially with the yeah. advent of uh, streaming services. So, I mean, I can, you know, produce movies or create movies in Hong Kong and sell directly to a, a streaming service overseas and then they they can you know market it over there and i keep i keep maybe i keep distribution rates over in asia you know there's many many ways to do things now from one area and be able to distribute your work to be seen all over the world and that brings us neatly onto undercover punch and gun because obviously this film now has been picked up in the states it's getting a release from wildgo usa but this movie came out in china a couple of years ago now didn't it so 2019 yeah, I believe. yeah, yeah. yeah it always takes a while for us to get these movies in the west it seems Anyway, yeah, but I, I think this movie. This, this, well, I just think this movie was, um, you know, took a little bit longer. We had some some problems with uh, getting distribution and stuff like that. And yeah, and um, but you know, I mean, like, I knew eventually we'd get it. So I mean, everything turned out the way it's supposed to turn out. And you must be super excited this movie's getting this wider release now. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Of course. I mean, uh, I think a lot of audiences, you know, they don't, you know, they have the luxury of uh, being able to find these movies, or maybe they don't want to watch it in in in, uh, in another language. It's easier for them to watch a movie and pay attention to the to the uh, on-screen action and listen as, instead of reading subtitles. So this is a good way for them to do it. You're the action director on it as well as starring in this film. So it's a big role to play on a, on a, on a production and quite, quite exhausting as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's definitely one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life. Not because I was uh, action directing and acting, but I was, you know, the first time putting on a product, production hat, you know, a producer hat. Yeah. And, um, that was really rough, but I mean, I uh, I met Van, Vanessa, and Andy on a on a movie called Star Runner. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an action movie from way back when, but uh, yeah. it was my first gig as a as a assistant uh, action choreographer. Yeah, I think it was the first time that Andy won the uh, uh, newcomer award. You know, you he only did go on awards. He's great yeah. in that movie, isn't he? He's great. He is. He is excellent in that movie. And then Vanessa yeah. was the first time that he. Uh, that um you know was a lead in an action movie because he was he, came, he just came out of a tv show called meteor garden and uh and it was a part of a boy band called f4 and it kind of blew him up and it was a very hot commodity at the time so i was um because i spoke english and both those guys were from the states as well i was in charge with training them as well as choreography but um during the pre-production i was in charge of training them and you know they didn't particularly need a lot of training but i kind of gave them a resume of things they needed to do and uh but vanessa i i was with him a little bit more because uh he needed to be a convincing Wing chun practitioner also hong kun he's a i mean his background he's a dancer and a singer isn't he and he's as you say in a pop band he sort of looked to you as his sort of martial arts mentor i i suppose is that is that fair to say 
Uh, yeah, I guess that would be fair yeah. to say, though. I mean, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say it officially in any sense because, yeah. uh, you know, we, I, we only train together mainly for movies, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, he, and then when he comes to Chicago, you know, uh, he stops my, my Kung Fu school, works out a little bit. But, you know, I mean, the main thing is like, you know, like um, we became really good friends after that movie because, you know, it's like when you're a freshman in high school, it's a first for everybody. You know, we got real close. We didn't know all the evils of this industry you yeah. know, and all that stuff. Yeah. We're innocent, you know, and we all became really good friends from that on. And. And then uh, from that point on, <clears throat> I always had the idea of, oh, we should all work together in some capacity. And again, and, and then, um, you know, and, and then we always talk about like 80s movies from the 80s and 90s, you know, Hong Kong movies, action movies, you know, something in that, that vein would be great, you know. And I was very vocal about this idea, you know, and then we went on to work on our separate projects. And, and then uh, I was filming um, a movie uh one day and i was working with the the, the producer on that movie it was charlie his name is charlie wong and uh he, you know he heard about me wanting to do something like this with my brothers you know with ben s and andy and he's like do you do you have any ideas about how to how, how you want to go about this and i'm you know and it gave him some ideas and you know and then uh the ball got rolling and then and then uh we went through you know a few directors a few scripts and eventually landed with um with uh frankie and uh philip louis and um, they wrote because the, they're you know there was first time directors, but they're very prolific um, script writers. If you look at the IMDb's, a lot of the yeah. you know blockbuster movies in Asia, they they wrote. So they're really good storytellers. So I had a lot of trust in them. And then and then Gordon Chan came on, gave gave our movie a lot of legitimacy. And you know and then um, you know we were able to uh, get some independent financing uh, thanks to Charlie Wong. And then uh, you know and we put the thing together. So you were involved in actually trying to get the finance going for this movie as, as well then were you were you involved in that? Um uh, yeah not as not so much so that was more uh, Charlie Wong's um you know his department but I was in charge of getting you know getting all the actors together you know pulling the crew um, yeah. designing you know everything and um I had a lot of freedom. I really got to thank uh Charlie and, and Gordon for giving me so much freedom to do what I want. I mean I mean, you had to fight for things, you know, like the title "Undercover Punch and Gun." That was something we had to fight for, and um, yeah. because we knew we knew the tongue, tongue in cheek, and we knew what we knew how we were self aware about what we were doing. So, and um, and I think because the audience will know what you're trying to do, and if you're self aware about it, it's, it then it it takes on a different meta level. So, but I I don't know if they could understand that in the beginning, but you know they, you know they whether they understood or not they kind of gave in and they let us use the name so i mean it was stuff like that in a world where we have cgi and so much wire work and all this different trickery a lot of this stuff's in camera i mean you can see it in the outtakes you know a lot of it's in camera it's yourself it's andy it's vanessa you're all doing the stunts you know you're doing doing all the work so that was a conscious effort then i I suppose from you guys to be like no we need to we need to strip the action back and show it how it used to be done yeah, I mean, the, that was on two levels, I think. Uh, I think, another th- first of all, like, we wanted to uh, pay homage to the 80s and 90s, and that's what they did. I mean, due yeah. to two reasons, uh, monetary and also technical um, deficiencies, right? And yeah. we had technical and monetary deficiencies as well. But at the same time, <laughs> it, that's, we wanted to do this. I mean, even if we had the budget um, to do a lot of CG or a lot of, uh, you, know, you know, work that can alleviate, you know, um, some of our work, we wouldn't do it. We would still do it like this. Or maybe we'd have more time to film this, but we would still do, do things in a very similar vein. Because, <clears throat> like you said, you know, um, it's very visceral. I mean, I think you can definitely tell when something is CG and something isn't, or when something is wire work and when something isn't. The audience has a very smart eye now. They can see that stuff. And yeah. I think, um, you know, I want to make something that, you know, harkens back to, you know, the 80s and 90s, um, not just because of our budget limitations, but 
because that's the kind of movie we want to make and we're willing yeah. to make. I'm working with Andy as well. Again, you guys have sparred on screen numerous occasions <laughs> throughout the years. Yeah. Um, you're good buddies as well, aren't you? So I guess that must be really great to work together. You both know, you know, what you're aiming for, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um it's you know it's you have to I mean it's just the old adage of working your friends you got to be careful and, and you know it's the same you have to because you have to sometimes you don't want to overstep your boundaries because your friends you, you want to because you know you have to understand they're professionals as well you know they're yeah. so you kind of have to you know kind of step the line but also at this a certain at the same time you're like okay because we're buddies you have to maybe can you do a little bit more for me and you know and you have to kind of gauge that line um, but you know like I've worked with them so many times I mean not just. Uh, on screen but like some a lot of times I, i'm choreographing him you know I'm, I'm the choreographer for his movies and, and stuff like that cause, yeah and um because we have that trust with each other i mean all three of us you know like me and van are our godfathers to his children right <laughs> so we're yeah. all pretty pretty, yeah. darn, pretty darn close pretty darn close but i mean like for this movie like i said like um you know i i there were a lot of investors there were a lot of independent you know financing so there's a lot of people helping out so there's a lot of voices and i wasn't in control with um in terms of exactly how the script went or or exactly how the story went but uh, we knew how the characters how we wanted to portray the characters we, we knew we knew what to do and we had a lot of freedom doing that so as soon as like Van- vanessa got his character i got my character andy got his character we we knew what we had to do in the story but in terms of how we developed it, it was it was pretty much you know in the, up to the individual actor. So I think, yeah. I mean, maybe not so in myself, but maybe you watch Andy or Vanessa. You, you notice like a lot of I, I noticed a lot of people that I've been doing interviews with lately. They, they're they're saying, oh, it's well, what some of Andy's better work it seems like, or, or Vanessa's, um, even though it's a lower budget movie. I think it's because of the creative freedom and the and the non pressure that they were feeling. They're able to do whatever they wanted to do that they felt fit the movie. Special shout out to Jung Lu Xia. She's yeah, yeah, uh, she's great. She's great, isn't she? I know she was in, you know, Operation Red Sea. She was in Once Upon a Time in Shanghai as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she played uh, the sister of my love interest. Did you get her involved in this movie then as well? Because yeah. you'd worked yeah, together, um, yeah. I think yeah, I definitely had a part in in getting her. I think the main yeah. impetus in getting her was one of the directors, I believe. Uh, I think it was Frankie. Um, or maybe it was a, I don't know. But we all loved her because I, I, we used to be in the same uh, management company uh, back in the right. day, and uh, and we made a lot of movies together in the past. And um, and then before Operation Red Sea, she wasn't really getting the recognition I think she deserved because, you know, she did that. She did that. Uh, she she debuted with that uh, action movie, and then kind of, you know, just her career kind of went up and down until she did Red Sea. And I, and I am so proud of her now, you know, because yeah. uh, I mean I. I I'm not just saying this, you know, I've been in this industry for over 20 years and she's one of the most hardworking, good yeah. attitude, um, professional, skilled human beings I've ever worked with. And, um, yeah. and it was, it was a blessing working with her. And then, uh, look at how professional she is. She got like super buff for our movie. And then yeah. and in every fight scene that she did, she put in her 110%. And, and, yeah. and not just her action and her acting too. You can, you can see how much, how much she put into it and i really appreciate all the work she put in and she made yeah. the movie she really added to the movie are you quite happy with how the film ended up then uh, yeah i i think i'm good because i i think all the plot lines everything were were closed um i think the movie there weren't any plot holes you know it, yeah. it wasn't a it's not a very complicated movie it's a movie that drives the action and um, yeah. and I think I, I was pretty satisfied with all the scenes that came out. I mean, of course, um, 
when I say satisfied, I mean, I'm not 100% satisfied, right? I mean, I wish I had more time and more money. I think I would have yeah. done things differently if I had maybe another month. Uh, we had less than a month. We had less than, I think we had 28 shooting days, maybe. It was a very short okay. shoot. And uh, we did a lot in a short time. And if we had more time, I think, um, I could have shot things a little bit more in detail. But overall, overall, I think it's a good showcase of what we can do. Just in context then, so say a movie like Once Upon a Time in Shanghai, I mean, how many days are you getting for a movie like that compared to... Uh, how many days do you think we got for that? How many days do you think we got for... Uh, for uh, well, you know, a lot of work. I I mean, I see, see, this is the thing I don't know with shooting schedules yes, in Hong guess. Kong. Guess, I'm going to say, please. did you, you add a few months on that i'm gonna say maybe two months did you have two months on that yeah, no we had less than 28 days for that too um really yeah. interesting yeah interesting yeah because it was rough man i think we had a month it was rough and then we but we did come back for pickups uh we did a do yeah. pickups but but like not a lot of that stuff went back into the actual movie so most of the movie is was shot in that time i mean we go back to once upon a time in shanghai i mean um that was i mean it, it, i just did an interview and they asked me what was the toughest scene that i've done as an actor so as an actor the toughest thing that i've done was the the long take that i did in once upon a time in shanghai when i yeah. fought all those swordsmen yeah because yeah, yeah. Uh, we did two long takes that day and uh so it was one working day it was already a blessing because we had whole working day usually that doesn't work doesn't work so they so that whole working day we they uh you and his team choreographed and then i rehearsed and then we shot those two long takes in one day and and that the long take that made it on film because we did two separate ones, but you know, it was kind of like, you know, a little bit redundant when it was like too long. So, mm-hmm. uh, it ended up cutting out one of them, but the, the, the one that made it in the film, we shot it 36 times. And I, it was like, it was like running a marathon. We don't get breaks. And it was, it was like, I was, you see the takes every time I'm done, I just I pass out on the ground, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm done and drained. And then I, I even remember, uh, Yun Chang Yan, um, uh, Yun Wuping's brother. He was on. He was. Uh, he was also one of the choreographers on the set. He also played one of the characters, right? Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. he actually looked at me. He's like, "Oh, dude, I understand how you feel. I mean, <laughs> there's a thing in Chinese. It's like even if you're a tiger, you'll become a weak cat. You know, a sick cat or something yeah. like that. So basically, I, I look like a sick cat <laughs> after that scene. <laughs> that was rough. But I mean, and then I asked. I remember asking Yun Wuping. I was like, "Yo, um, how long do you, how long do you think you'll get? You know, shooting some distance, something like this in this in the West, and he's like, "Oh, probably two weeks or something." You get rehearsal time, then you get to shoot, yeah. and then, you know, I'm like, "Really?" And then, but later on, I found out it was the truth because you know, later on, I did work on a on a Hollywood production, and and you do get insane amount of time to do very little things. So. You hear this about a lot of Chinese productions, you know, even a film like. Um, you know, a Wolf Warrior 2, say, where, you know, they're shooting round the clock. I mean, you know, there's no breaks. And I, I think I think the longest I've shot was 36 hours straight. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Really? I mean, they would, the crew would switch. I mean, the, the director would go with sleep. The assistant AD would come in and then the action choreographer would be there. Then he would go to sleep and then his his assistant would come in. That would go in. For I've, I've been through that kind of schedule. It's yeah. um. It's rough. It's rough. But you don't yeah. get that in the States. In the States, they force you to, they force you, in, in the West, you know, when in, they, they have unions and all that stuff. So they, they you have to rest. Like, yeah. They ask, they, they tell you, like, oh, wait, you already worked this whole week. We can't let you work today. I'm like, really? You can't let me work? All right. That's cool. What do you think about that, though? Because sometimes you can have too much time and then it's just, you know, you're sort of sitting around like, you know, what, <laughs> you want to be working, really, don't you? Well, I mean, like, for instance, I, I, um, 
for Birth of the Dragon, the opening sequence between uh, Sha Yu, uh, the, you know, when he fought against the Tai Chi guy, um, yeah. I, I filmed that. I, I actually choreographed that scene because uh, Corey couldn't come back for pickups. So I, I shot that scene. We had a lot of time. Like, we had a, like a month in prep. I mean, I flew to LA. I choreographed it with a stuntman over there. I flew the footage to my boys in Hong Kong, and the, they they did a pre-biz, and then they shot it back to us, and then we flew to China, like, you know, two weeks in advance, and then we trained the actors, and then, yeah. you know, and then we had, like, three days to shoot it. It, it was it was crazy, you know? I mean, I, but, I mean, there was a lot of, like, reassurance. I mean, everybody had to know exactly what's going on. Like, I had to, I had meetings with, like, the storyboard artists. I had the meetings with, like, this, the DP. I mean, I, you, you had, everyone had to know what's going on. So, I mean, in a way, that, that was good, because when we get to the set, everyone knew what was going on. There wasn't yeah. any guesswork, but but it didn't leave a lot of room for interpretation because sometimes the, the, I think a happy medium would be good. Like you have a you know have enough time to film what you want to film, but you still have that flexibility to maybe change certain things on the fly. Yeah, and but, do um, you enjoy that as a choreographer then when you're working on a set that you can be flexible on those Hong Kong shoots because you know it all depends how you know your actors are feeling, but also you know just the environment as well. What you did in the previs might not necessarily work once you get onto set and onto the location. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, I do like. I mean, I'm one of the one of the fewer uh, action directors and action choreographers in Hong Kong that actually kind of do the American style. Yeah. So what I, I mean, like I, I do, or like maybe not, not American style, but like, you know, the more a previs kind of thing. I would also, yeah. I would always choreograph and I would always uh, do previses before every fight scene. So I would, fl- I would always do that in prep. And uh, sometimes that doesn't happen, especially when I first went into the industry in Hong Kong. A lot of times they just choreograph on the set and then you learn it and then you fight. I mean, you know, even in like, bigger budget action movies that that's what happens sometimes so yeah. and um and i think there's a lot of, inherently a lot of problems with that you know in terms of design and kind of like you know rush kind of you know job i mean no matter how experienced you are i think there's always there's always room for like you know thinking over something right so i like to choreograph ahead of time but then most of the time like the main ideas get kept because like i said when i create a scene i created like you know like a joke you know like um like a punchline there's like a, there's a beginning there's a middle and there's a punchline so there's a whole design for the scene so mm. you know i, I want to keep that intact when i when i do my thing i've killed many men with this pole but still i don't want to kill you yet you were born in hong kong but you did you left hong kong when you were quite little is that that's that's right is it yeah, yeah, I, uh, I was uh, born here, and then, and then I, I uh, went to America when I was about seven. Yeah, and then, uh, Chicago. And I, I, yeah, Chicago, um, really suburbs outside Chicago, because yeah. a lot of my Chicago friends, they don't like it when I say I'm from Chicago. They're like, you're not from the city, you're from the suburbs, but you <laughs> know, right. whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm from near, I'm outside Chicago somewhere. You are part of a Kung Fu family, we should say. I think your, your father's uh, Kung Fu expert, your uncle as well, so... Um, was was there any other choice for you growing up? You were going to go into the family business, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. how, how do you say this? My father actually he's an accountant by trade, but you know we run a kung fu school. You know, but but we're not any less professional. You know, our boys fight professional, fight a semi-professional, and then we do a lot of um, tournaments and everything. But um, in terms of is there another choice? I think. Uh, up until I was 13, I just kind of was going through the motions, I think, just learning the forms, you know, not really thinking about what these these things, what these movements are actually, you know, done for, you know, just things that it was, it's like exercise, you know. Then when I got, when I was 13, I got in a little more scuffles, you know, and I realized, how come I learn, I know Kung Fu by name, but I'm, I'm not able to kind of use these skill sets. Then I, I kind of put myself a little bit more into investigating on that side of the martial art kind of uh, spectrum. 
like the function of it. And then um, yeah. that's when it kind of really, that's when I was, that was, I was all, I was all in. Was, you know, that yeah, so. locked in. So Choi Li Foot and Hongar, they're your main systems, and Wing Chun as well. Uh, mainly, I think mainly is Choi Li Foot and uh, and Wing Chun. Uh, Hongar, yeah. I, I learned as, it was one of the first system first uh, systems I learned as a youth. I was a very young kid uh, from my uncle, but I mainly just did uh, the sets, the forms. Um, but in terms of uh, you know the whole system, um, the you know the you know, the, uh, you know, like the, from the concept to application, you know, everything in between uh, the two systems that I'm most familiar with. And I have instructor uh, certifications in our Charlie Foot and Wing Chun. When did your dad learn those? My father learned from um, uh, uh, Do Huan Zhang, uh, a very famous uh, Sifu in Hong Kong. Um, and uh, he, when he immigrated to America, we started teaching in community centers before we started our own school. Um, yeah. So that's one of the reasons why Charlie Foot is one of the main systems that I am, you know, versed in because of my father. And then uh, Wing Chun is because of my uncle. I uh, trained with him because um, when I was investing, investigating, like really hardcore investigating into, you know, the combat side of, uh, of martial arts, you know, Wing Chun came up because of his, his connection to Bruce Lee. And my uncle was a practitioner of Wing Chun under Wang Chun now. And, uh, and then um, yeah. I trained with him for a little bit. And then uh, he suggested that I go to Hong Kong uh, to train with his master, uh, his Sifu, uh, Wang Shenlang. So I, I did that. And Wang Shenlang, if, um, if uh, you know, people who, are, uh, who follow Wing Chun is, um, is the senior disciple of, uh, of Yip Man and I'm also the older Kung, yeah. Fu, older, older Kung Fu brother to Bruce Lee. He taught Bruce Lee, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he instructed Bruce Lee in a lot of things. And in fact, his character, a uh, character that was based on him, uh, was portrayed by Wong Huming in, uh, in Yip Man 2. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I trained with him and it was very influential to me. And then, um, but those two systems were systems that were very, di- it was very different in terms of uh, the way they generated power and the way they, they, uh, they structured their bodies. But, you know, their, their, cons- their, um, their philosophies were the same in terms of, you know, uh, function. So I, I uh, was very interested in them. You know, for me, it was like not only like a way to learn how to fight, but it was like, you know, it's like a super like hobby, you know, like how people really want to investigate in certain things. So that's how I felt about it. Did you know then when you were going through school and as you were training and I know you did study, you went to university, but yep. were you you were always thinking, well, I think, you know, becoming a Kung Fu instructor that's the path for me. Did you make that sort of de- decision quite early on then? Um, I always loved teaching Kung Fu. I knew I would, I mean, by the time I went to uh, college, my father already had opened um, a Kung Fu school. So we had our own Kung Fu school already. So, I mean, regardless of what I did, I was always going to be teaching there. Because my father had a, you know, had a full-time job as an accountant, but he still taught every day. And yeah. um, it was something that we, we, we just love to do and we want to share with the community and we want to kind of, you know, make sure to keep this alive. Is he still teaching, Phil? Yeah, my father's still teaching. Yeah, he's still yeah, teaching. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, not, not as active anymore. You know, his hip's not so good, but uh, he's yeah. always at the school. Instructor's there helping out. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, it wasn't my path. I wasn't, I never really thought about that as a career path. It was more something that I knew I wanted to do. Um, yeah. But making Kung Fu movies was always like a pipe dream. Actually, I went to school for... Um, graphic design and uh, education. So I got my master's in education and I actually came out, taught school, taught for a year before um, moving back to Hong Kong to do what I'm doing now. Now, let's let's talk about that. So what, so what made you think, well, I want to, 
you know, get into the film business. But, you know, you're in the States there. I mean, you know, what what was the decision not to pursue Hollywood and, and actually go back to, to Hong Kong instead? I mean, what what was your what was the thought process there? Well, I mean, we're also talking about 20 years ago when there weren't a lot of represent, you know, Asian representation in, uh, in, in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also another thing is like, I, I mean, I, I like, I, I don't know if I said before, but I mean, I specifically chose Hong Kong because that's the origin of, of the, you know, the Kung Fu action movie genre. There wasn't, yeah. even if there were super big representation in, in the States, I, I would still go to Hong Kong because I wanted to learn that specific craft, you know? And then yeah. you know, it's like me going back to Hong Kong to train with Wong Shun now, you know, specifically, I want to, I want to go to the source, you know, I don't want to just, you know, secondhand learn anything. So, so I, I um, you know, I, w- I went to the source and, um, you know, and then I, 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 it took a long time before I was able to, you know, um, you know, build my resume, but, you know, yeah. I, was, I mean, obviously, but, um, I'm glad I came, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's a dream and a blessing, right? I mean, I'm a fanboy basically, um, that got to, make kung fu movies with my idols so <laughs> it's it's pretty cool absolutely yeah all those greats you know samu yen wu ping Corey yu and jackie chan like you've worked with all these guys but um i'm just wondering did you have a dream of actually becoming a leading man though an actual star of films or you know what was, was afraid, <laughs> what was your plan i was afraid to dream that I mean, when i was a kid yeah. you know you watch a jackie chan movie i'd be like oh man I would pay money for him to punch me in the face. You know, that was that, yeah. was that was the extent of it. You know, it was just like being if I could be part of that in any ass in any way, it would be great. You never because you know you're afraid to dream this dream. It's like, you know, who do you think you are, right? You know, how good is your kung fu, or or you know, yeah. you look at yourself in the mirror. You know, it's not a concerns about about these things, right? I think that's what keeps a lot of people from achieving any dream that they have. They're afraid to move forward. So I had that fear, right? But um. You know, I, I trained it like I, you know, like I said before. I went to Hong Kong to train every year with my my Sifu Wong Shunlang until his untimely passing. And then after that, I would still travel to Hong Kong and train with my uh, senior Kung Fu brothers, like his senior students. You know, and during one of those trips, uh, one of my college friends, uh, she knew some people that were in the production business, and they needed someone. They need like an extra or like a very small bit role for a movie. And, um, you know, I, I got it. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. and during my trip back that time to train, I, I was that summer, I was able to be in a movie, you know, um, and I met some people on there. And I, and I thought, that's not so hard, you know. <laughs> so And I went back to the States. You know, and then I, yeah, simple as that. I went back yeah. to the States and I was like, you know, it's not that bad, not that hard. And um, which and movie I, was that? Because was there an early role I saw on IMDb was Twins Effect, but I don't know. Was that? No, it was before that. that. It was before, before that. that. No, it was before okay. that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll think about it. I'll review it. I look like an idiot in that movie. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, but anyways, uh, uh, I went back home and I thought about it and I talked to my parents. I was like, you know what? I want to quit my job and uh, yeah. go back and give it a go because I think like if I want to be like a relatively young and spry actor i only have one opportunity if i want to be you know want to be want to stay being a teacher and teach kung fu i think i can always come back and do that so yeah and you always would have regretted it if you hadn't have taken the plunge i suppose it's one of the one of those things isn't it yeah, and of, did your parents absolutely. yeah and your parents agreed with that or what were that what they, they were say? they were very cool about it um yeah you know later on i learned that they you know they were, they were worried in the in the beginning when i wasn't really making it any progress but um you know they were very supportive and i think they said like since i got my degrees and i got all my licenses and everything and 
I can always, you know, fall back on that. And, um, yeah. you know, why not give it a try? But I think when they said give it a try, I think they didn't think I'd be here for 20 years. You know, they probably thought it was going to be a year or two and I'd give up and come back. But, you know, I did. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Bastard, I didn't know who you were. The big one was Star Runner, wasn't it? 2003, and that was working with Chinkar Locks. So, you know, he's got that connection to Samo, and I believe, you know, he doubled for Jackie as well back in the day. So, you know, he was action director on that movie, and he sort of, you know, allowed you to, you know, work on sets, train the, the actors. That was my first gig as the uh, action as, an, as one of the choreographers. You know, I just stunt yeah. work and did extra work before that, but that was really my, I would consider that to be my my entry gig, my entry job into uh, into the industry. And then, yeah. um, you know, and then I was also part of uh, Dalok's stunt team at the time. And then, yeah. um, and then I was one of the early members of the stunt team. Uh, they're very prolific now, but um, I was a very early member of that team. And yeah, and I, I learned a lot uh, working on those movies. I mean, um, they were very hard shoots and um, I had a lot of responsibility. I think um, I was giving a lot more responsibility than someone that I would normally, someone normally would give in that position because now I'm in the position to give responsibility to other people to delineate you know work for other people to do but um i I realize now that i was given a lot of responsibility and i was i'm glad for it because i learned a lot from that i mean like for instance i would they used to cut an avid right back in the old days they didn't have final cut pro and then um i would be one of the because they didn't write down shots or have shot lists in a lot of these movies like i said you know back in the 80s and late 90s and even early 2000s so i was in charge of remembering a lot of the shots and then uh, sometimes i would go into the edited room and and, and work with the editor um, and learn a lot about editing, you know, in, in that in that vein. So working on these movies, I mean, I, I didn't go to film school. So working on all these movies um, behind the scenes really prepared me for, you know, working in front of the camera. Did you just develop as an actor then, would you say? The more roles that you were given, did you study drama or anything in Chicago? No, I just, no, I didn't. I did not no. study drama. But I know I had, a, I had a sense of movement. I have a sense of, um, I think I'm better... I was better equipped to be uh, an action director, an action choreographer, because I had a degree in uh, in art as well. Because um, yeah. you know, there's you know, like composition, you know, you know, depth and photography, all those things I was trained in. So you know, when I made that tra- when I made that transition from choreography to action director, that was really smooth because I, I I wasn't. I mean, I knew how I wanted to capture my things, and I knew 
the way to capture the movement that I wanted to capture. So, but in terms of in front of the camera, there was a little bit of development, you know. Um, I did take acting courses when I did come to Hong Kong, but not prior to that. You've got a great look about you, so you're cool uh, on screen, and obviously you can you can fight as well. So, but I mean, was that just something over time? The more practice that you that you did it, the more your confidence grew in front of camera. Um, I was, I don't know. I mean, I, I try not to be shy, but I mean, you know, when you're, when you're not equipped, I mean, then that's when the shyness comes in because your yeah. confidence is low because you're not equipped with the proper skill set or the experience. And I remember when I made a movie, I think it was Enter the Phoenix. Um, and, uh, there's a scene I did with, uh, Nick, Nick, Nicholas Jie, Jie Ting Pong, yeah. uh, who ended up being my good friend, um, after that movie. Uh, I haven't, I, it was way after that movie that I met him again, then we became really good friends, but during that movie, I didn't know him, but. I remember that scene. Um, it was very difficult for me because I, I had a few lines, and it was when, I think it was my second movie or first movie I, that I had to speak. Um, and uh, I kept messing up my lines. You know, I was really nervous, and um, mm. and I remember the director laughing at me, and, and then I had his girlfriend. I mean, I did it in jest. You know, I know those guys now; we were fine. But um, you know, back in the old days, you know, I was I felt like I was a nobody. You know, a lot of a lot of self self confidence issues, and, and that really hurt me. Right? It was really hard, and the, and the more nervous I felt the harder it was for me to deliver my lines but you know thank god Nick is a good person you know he's super famous you know and uh and especially at that time he didn't get mad at me nothing you know didn't get impatient you know didn't do any of that he just he actually fed me my lines as I was filming with it and it made the whole experience better you know and Later on, I would tell him this experience once we became, you know, real good buddies, and I think he forgot. <laughs> but but, uh, but anyway, it was very influential for me. But what like, and then I and then I talked. I remember <clears throat> making a House of Fury, you know, with the same director, um, and then um, and uh, I was working with Michael Wong you know, at yeah. the time, and and I remember asking Michael, I was like, "Yo, um, how do you not get nervous and not mess up and not ng?" You know, and he's like, "Well, Phil, the most important thing is." You gotta not care about what anyone else thinks about you, <laughs> you know. And and, and and I said, I was like, okay, it's good advice. So he, it's great advice. He's like, don't worry about it. If you don't care about what anyone thinks, you will not ng because you don't care. Because the more yeah. you care, the more you'll mess up. And you know, I, I mean, it was hard to develop that kind of confidence and mentality. But he is absolutely right. Now I actually don't care. I really don't care. I mean, when I'm in the scene, the most important thing is I finish that scene and I do I do right by my acting partner. And I do right by everyone on set. I do my job, and and, and that's it. I, I don't care about what anyone thinks and what they think yeah. and what they do because you can't. You know, you're performing. You have to be in that space. And and that, but it, it's a menta- It's more of a mentality that you have to develop more than any. I think specific skill set in terms of acting because I think acting is this honesty. You know, you know, you understand the. You know, you have to understand the the emotion or the um, the message that the director or the story wants you to convey, and you do it in the way that you feel is most appropriate you know, as honestly as possible. And I think to do that, you have to be comfortable and you have to be confident. And uh, and that just takes time to develop and it takes experience. My Lord, for the sake of the Buddha, please spare Shaolin. Working with some of your heroes as well, Phil, because we should just mention, obviously, Jackie Chan, New Police Story. Samo, you've worked with quite a few times now. They were just as great in, in real life to work with. No, they're, they're wonderful. I mean, I'm a yeah. fanboy, right? I mean, I'm yeah. there because of them. I mean, I watched Drunken Master 1 so much, the VHX tape exploded. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean... I mean, I worked at Jackie a long, like very early in my career. So imagine my my fanboyism, you know, I mean, it's yeah. like 
I'm, I mean, every time I see them now, I still have to kind of hold in my urine because I don't want to pee my pants. So, mm-hmm. I'm so excited when I see them. Yeah. But I mean, but I mean, back, imagine back then, right? So yeah. Jackie was extremely kind to me. Um, I remember uh, he saw me do a kick in in um, in House of Fairy, and he's like, "Wow, that kick was super great." You know, he used a different adjective, but but I mean, I was like, "Wow, Jackie complimented me." super yeah you know and then um and i remember like it was just surreal i mean i didn't really get to converse with him a lot you know during the during that time because you know i was very new and very shy and timid you know i don't want to get in the way of anybody but yeah it was great you know and then um you know i was it was just it was surreal and it, it was great and I, I i i cherish those moments and and with samo you know like you said i was um, part of the galop stunt team and then uh yeah. samo is his mentor so i'm kind of like in that lineage so i mean you know i i you know, really regularly follow his work and try to, you know, understand, you know, the, the intricacies of his, uh, of his choreography, because, you know, it, it's something that influenced me a lot because, uh, you know, it's very, it's designed, but designed in a way where it's very plausible. It doesn't look like these moves are impossible and it can be pulled off by human beings that are tough, but at the same time it's designed and it's, and it's filmed in a way that's very powerful and aesthetically pleasing. So, you know, you don't, it's, that's not always the case, especially with movies now. So, I mean, he's someone that I really admire. And then being on the set with him is surreal. And you don't, you don't not only get to see that he's, you know, he's, he's such a good behind this, someone that's so good and behind the camera, but in front of the camera, he knows exactly what he's doing. And, um, and he knows exactly what everyone else is doing. He probably knows their job better than them. So, I mean, it's, he's one of the, only, he's one of the few people that I see walking into a set that garners true respect from everybody. You know, sometimes, yeah. you know, people see that guy, some star power and they kind of, you know, pretend to be, you know, respectful, but, you know, they kind of, you know, chuckle behind the guy's back, but, you know, no one does that to Samo. Samo no, is someone that- he, He's respect. the boss. Yeah. Everyone respects him because they know he knows his stuff. And then another yeah. thing that I'm very impressed with Samo is, you know, I, I work with a lot of um, big name actors and big name stars that, you know, as a choreographer, and a lot of times they take over and, and they, you know, they, they have a lot of opinions and, and you know, they, they don't trust your judgment in a way. And then I'd understand because, you know, when I entered the industry, they're like, they're, they're already like superstars and they're my idols. But with Samo, I, I noticed something very different. He's very professional in a way that when someone else is the choreographer of a movie, he just does what he's told and he'll make a few jokes or maybe he'll make a few adjustments to help himself. But he is very, he's very cooperative and yeah. he does not need to be, he can say whatever and everyone would be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's the way yeah. to do it. But he's very accommodating. So yeah, man, someone, what definitely one of my heroes new police story and invincible target as well are both benny chan films we lost benny yeah. chan obviously last year just working with benny i mean he made some wonderful hong kong action films in in his career yeah your thoughts on working with benny i love benny i love yeah. him um I, I say that because when i was working on invisible target my resume wasn't as thick and um you know and then uh, you know it's uh, you know it's like it's like in the states you know Coop rolls downhill, right? You know, and yeah. and um, you know, people don't care. You know, it's very, it's very, you know, it's very delineated, you know, in terms of like your stat, your status in the industry. But you know, um, you know, like when you know when uh, actors are eating, like you know, you see the lead actors and all the stuff eating with the director, and everyone else kind of sits on the side with their rice box and everything, and it's very segregated. And it was the first time on a film that I felt comfortable uh, yeah. in my own skin, and because. Uh, Benny was great to me. And he's like, yo, don't go sit by yourself. Come and eat with us, you know? And then, yeah. and also the actors in the movie were great. You know, Nick was my you know good friend. Andy was on it. Like a lot of my good friends were on it. It was fun working with Wu Jing. You know, it was just great. And, but Benny was great. He, he, he uh, didn't make me, he didn't make me feel like 
an outsider. He meant, and actually, I remember him saying something to me, and because I was very appreciative of the way he treated me, he's like, "Bill, it doesn't matter. I only like people that work hard." I mean, that you know, that's that was his philosophy, and, and that, yeah. that was not. It was, you know, it's refreshing to someone that was in my position at the time. You know, it's always you know because you know this industry is not kind to people, but you know when you meet kind people, it's uh, you remember that for the rest of your life. And I remember he's a very serious director on a set. You know, he needs to get stuff done, but you know he's you know good humored. But I remember um, at that time, um, the, you know, Pride MMA, uh, the yeah. Pride uh, competition back in the in Japan. I, I love those DVDs, and that was when MMA was just starting to come to the forefront, especially in Hong Kong and everything. And I used to bring those DVDs to the set. I remember he would be like. The, the assistant director is like, yo, uh, director, it's time for the next shot. He's like, no, let me finish watching this fight first. And I, he would never do that. And then he, he, yeah. he actually was really interested in it. And he's like, yo, you know, we should think about making a movie like that. And then, um, but, you know, not two weeks later, um, Flashpoint came out. So, <laughs> so yeah. You know, so yeah. It took about a decade and then you get your leading man debut opposite Andy once upon a time in Shanghai. Yen Wu Ping's working the fight choreo, Samo's in there as well. How did that come about, your your role in that film? Um, I, I've been around in Hong Kong, like you said, for almost 10, about eight years at that time. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I've been steadily working, you know, I, I didn't get lead roles or anything, but I, I had a lot of, I mean, a lot of roles and I've been, I've been, I was very, I was very fortunate. I, I constantly got work, and um, people were able to yeah. see what I could do. And then, um, at that time, I was signed by, I, I was approached by a very prolific uh, Hong Kong uh, producer, uh, Wang Jing. I'm sure yep. you've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. I counted actually how many films you've done with him. Is it's it's nearly? I think it's like seven. Is it seven films you've done with him? You've done a lot. Probably He's very prolific, though, isn't he? Yeah, probably yeah. more. But um, but I he approached me. He uh, signed he signed me to his uh, management and production company. So yeah. you know, Hong Kong Hong Kong is still still uh, we still have a sort of a studio system here. And uh, so basically, uh, he's he was my his company managed my career um, as well as you know producing movies that I was um, to be in. And uh, that's and end of uh, one of the. I, that wasn't the first movie that I worked. That was like the third Once Upon a Time in Shanghai, when I think was the third movie that I did with them, third or fourth, I don't remember. Um, but it was uh, before then. I had a couple bigger roles in previous in, in movies. Um, then this was to be my starring vehicle. And Wang Jing was like, "This is this is your film, Phil." Like he designed, he he had you in mind for it for a lead role. Is that how that came about? Um, well, I worked on a couple of productions that he did I, that he didn't write specifically for me. Um, there were just uh, roles that I could fill, that uh, you know, action roles that I, you know, I could do, and um, you know, and, and they were pretty significant. And um, you know, I learned a lot on those. And uh, then also, he gave me a lot of chances to do uh, choreography and also direction work. And then, um, you know, then he was waiting to create, a, you know, a starring vehicle for me, I guess. And then um, that was that was the that was the impetus for him to create this movie. And uh, you know, and he wrote this. He wrote this. He wrote the initial script, and he hired on uh, Wang Jingpo, uh, that the, uh, the director, uh, who I very, admire very much, and I still admire very much, and um, learned a lot from him. And then uh, he got uh, Yu Moping involved, and uh, I think it was, you know, he in in part because uh, Yu Moping knew who I was, and and he worked with me before, and I think he was um, he was very kind of him to come on and help out. Uh, for this movie different kind of pressure though when you're the top bill <laughs> billing actor on a film i would imagine i mean was it intimidating or did you you were just because you were match fit by that point you were just like no this is great i've got this kind of thing 
Yeah, I, I got it. I felt like yeah, I got it. Yeah. I mean, because I've been in the business for so long. I was dying yeah. to kind of show people what I could do. And then I had already done a, quite a few movies before then where, you know, pretty much a lead role as well, but there was an ensemble cast kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, but like I said, you know, I, I was ready. You know, I think I was ready yeah. 10 years ago before that. But, but you know, yeah. just, we had to wait till the opportunity arose. And, um, and then, um, you know, and then like, you know, and thank God, uh, he also casted my best friend as my best friend. <laughs> Working <laughs> so, with Andy, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we should say it's a remake, isn't it, of the boxer from Shantung? So that classic Absolutely. Shaw Brothers film. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the original boxer from Shantung was in the movie. Uh, yeah, you know that Chen Kuan Tai. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh, one of the one of the uh, antagonists that I fought at the end. It was a uh, pretty surreal. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that must, yeah, must be weird for him, I'd imagine, because that's his most famous role. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was telling him I'm the I'm the uh I'm the uh off-brand version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you going to do now? Try again? Hey, hasn't your master taught you how? Hasn't he? <laughs> that leads in neatly into Birth of the Dragon. So, was Bruce Lee one of your heroes growing up? Well, absolutely. I think he was a hero to anyone who does martial arts, right? Yeah. I mean, especially Chinese kid, you know, growing up in, in America, right? Yeah. Bruce Lee was the epitome of the person who defends himself against any kind of oppression. So, you know, it's he was like, you know, of course he was a hero. Not not just that. I mean, you know, he was one, you know, when I was really deep into investigating the combat side of martial arts, you know, his stuff came up first. You know, I read all his books. I, I really, you know, watch all his videos, listen to all his interviews. I mean, you know, when I when I got the role, it was it wasn't it was. It was like it was like I I imitated him or or I I, I you know pretended to be him in, in you know in so many ways uh, in terms of like when I'm you know like I make jokes or talk you know and do all that stuff I mimic him um, so it felt almost natural when I got the role but how that came to be was um uh it was it was this uh, they were casting for the for for Bruce Lee and everyone knew about it but um you know and I wasn't I didn't think I was going to be on the on the on the list of people that they're going to ask you know i mean you know you always are self-conscious about about yourself and especially with u.s movies you know we all ca- sometimes even we cast for u.s movies a lot of times they just do it for publicity you know they just do yeah. like a bunch of casting calls to let people know that there's a movie happening get buzz going on but they don't really plan on using anybody from other regions but whatever the case um uh, they were had, had a casting call, and they they had, uh, one of the pre- people that got the casting call was my buddy Andy On, you know Andy from yeah. uh, Once Upon a Time in Shanghai, and he's like, "Yo, I don't look like Bruce Lee, but I know I have a friend that kind of looks like Bruce Lee, and he and he does Wing Chun, and he does like he does Kung Fu for real, you know." And then the producer over there like, "Yo, you know, why not send him uh, send him the script and let him read? You know, it won't hurt." So you know they sent me the script, and Andy and his uh, fiance now wife. And uh, and then another friend of ours spent like six hours filming, you know, uh, the all the scenes that were sent. And then uh, once I got, you know, sent it to scenes, I didn't think any of it, you know, because usually when you cast for U.S. stuff, nothing happens. So we just like whatever, especially for Bruce Lee, right? You know, whatever. Yeah. So we sent it in, but literally like two, three days after, I was I got a call. I got a call back, and they're like, "Yo, the director wants to talk to you on Skype." You know, we didn't have Zoom back then, right? So on Skype and you know it seemed like it was going real well and then it seemed like he really liked me and I was like nah this, you know whatever you know it's pretty cool that I got to meet a US director and then then they're like yo we want you for it I'm like no way are you serious and then um, but in the middle they got someone else and then um, that someone else uh, I think 
ended up not doing it for some reason. I don't remember why. And then um, he wasn't the director's first choice. I think he was the first choice of the investors because I think that the person they originally wanted had a bigger market than me. And then, um, but the director thought I was, you know, he thought it was a better choice. So, and then uh, he eventually got me back on board and ended up doing the movie. I mean, talk about dream roles. I mean, that's quite a big role that, isn't it? I mean, how did you... Yeah, it's a big role, but it's also big shoes to fill, you know? (laughs) Very much so, yeah. I mean, Bruce Lee has been played on screen a a few times as well. I thought you were excellent as Bruce Lee in that that film. Thank you. Because you're playing him at a part in his life where he's still developing, isn't he? It's sort of an origin story in a way, isn't it? Yeah, I think I I want to... I think the difference in this movie is we kind of like really investigated in the different facets of him that maybe some weren't that weren't so positive you know and uh yeah but i think i think you know he but the thing is it also proved that he's a human being you know he's not a god as a lot of yeah. other productions portray him to be and you know and i think that was i mean I, me- I remember when the director told me he's like yo don't rub your nose don't do any of those um mannerisms that are known that bruce lee does don't do any of that you know be human like be be the guy in that situation, you know, like you're, you're like, um, you're an immigrant, uh, you're trying to struggle and fight in a system where everyone's against you, but you know, you have the talent to kind of push through, you know, I mean, he, you have, to, you know, how, what would you do? How far would you go? What would you say? How, what would your feelings be in that moment? And, yeah. and it was very relevant to me because I kind of went through that when I was, you know, kind of pushing through in my career in Asia. So. Yeah. I, I kind of related to that. And was there a nervousness playing Bruce Lee just because it's almost like, um, you know, sacred text in a way, isn't it? People love Bruce Lee. And then any Absolutely. any representation of his life on screen, you're going to face, you know, a backlash or some scrutiny. Did you, no, did you feel know, that I, on I, set? I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not feel that on set, but I felt that, you know, as you know, you're reading YouTube comments, you feel it, but... But um, but I think uh, we really I think people who really watch the film and people who really pay attention to it I think they knew that we respected the subject matter and we wanted to do it justice. I mean, however the story happened is however the story was written. But in terms of how we approach the uh, the character, how we approach the story, we did it with the utmost respect and we wanted to make sure that we you know we respected the subject. And I think that that was the main thing, and that's what made me comfortable because um, I wasn't asked to play. God, I was asked to play human being in that situation, and that's that's what I did. And um, yeah. I was very comfortable in doing it, and um, everyone was very supportive. Uh, there was, and in the U.S., when you're working, there's a lot of support. There's a dialogue coach. There's acting coaches. There's, I mean, there's like all these things, and there's there's catering. <laughs> there's uh, there's you yeah. have a trailer. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's crazy. You have all these support, you know, and then all I had to worry about was doing my job. So I, you know, it was a great experience. I loved it, and um, you know. Uh, I heard of some of Bruce's students, you know, actually saw this movie. I won't say who, but, um, you know, they, they were, they actually said that, um, from what I heard, you know, their, their you know, secondhand account, they, they thought that, you know, it was a good represent, representation of how Bruce was at that time in his life. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, there you go. That's, well, that's, that's great to hear. It's about this, you know, bout between Bruce Lee and Wong Jack Man. But Wong Jack Man was still alive and you met, I've seen a photo of you at the premiere, I think. You, so you met Wong Jack Man, but he was a consultant on the film as well then, was he? Um, he I met him. Yeah. I met him on the, at the, at the, I think at the premiere and also during the film. Uh, we did a, we did a little, we did a week shoot in San Francisco, and I think we met. Uh, we also met him then too. Um, yeah. It was very, very kind gentleman. It was nice uh, listening to his stories. It was, uh, it, you know, it's um, it's always a pleasure listening to old kung fu guys talk about their their past. Yeah. You know, and it's a, it's a hobby of mine too. So it was good to uh, get that opportunity. Training 
to become Bruce Lee, to get the Bruce Lee body. I mean, you're pretty cut and you're, you're sort of, uh, you know, you work out anyway, but, um, you know, the Bruce Lee uh, aesthetic, the look, was that uh, easy to achieve? Did you have to go on the, the Bruce Lee diet? Because <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I, I, I'm used to kind of having to um, get fit for a movie because I did yeah. that for Once Upon a Time in Shanghai. I did that for a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows that I do in, in Hong Kong as well. I, I, I'm expected to take off my shirt at least in one yeah. scene. Um, um, I mean, that's funny because I've, I've, I was never like that before I started doing movies. I mean, I trained a lot and I competed, but, you know, I never trained for aesthetics. And, um, you know, and now, I, now I do. And there's a very specific way to do it. And there's a very specific diet that you have to go through. But, you know, I have all that stuff kind of um, systemized. So it wasn't, it's just, I just had to follow the system, follow the program. It was fine. Um, and I had a lot more time in the States to to rest and, and train. So, in fact, I think if I look back now, I think I, I was a little bit too bulky because I had too much time to rest and too much time to train. <laughs> right. I think um, if I I think if if, if I would uh, slim down a little bit more, like I I had a look um, when I was doing my TV show uh, Fist Within Four Walls. I think that physique uh, was would have been perfect for Bruce Lee. I think I was a little bit bulky for uh, Birth of the Dragon. Looking back, yeah. but you know, I mean, overall, I think it was fine. You really are a stupid man. If you think you're any match for me. If I wasn't so sure, do you think I'd be here? You'd better say your prayers. You're gonna die. Generally working in Hollywood, is that something that you would like to pursue, Phil, do you think? Um, I think I'll work anywhere, really. You know, making movies now, it's more... It's more um, it's more international because of especially with the advent of um of streaming streaming services like you know like with maybe like you know like you see korea has a lot of shows on netflix and you see maybe like vietnam has some shows on there from countries that you may not normally be able to get uh, media from you're able to get it from there so i mean like um i could be producing movies here and then selling it to um international market and they'll still be able to see my movies but if specifically a hollywood movie you know, casted me to be in it. I would, I would love to work there. You know, I mean, yeah. I'd love to work anywhere. But, um, but right now, especially with uh, in the current times, um, you know, a lot of the projects that I had been attached to are postponed or or, or canceled at the moment. And um, so I still have a bunch of work coming out that I've done previously. But uh, in the meantime, right now, I'm really focusing on developing uh, new projects and um, for you know some streaming services around the world. And um, hopefully, I can. Uh, able to uh, successfully sell through project this year and go into production before the end of the year that's that's my goal and they've been delayed or cancelled because of what just because of covid is that is that COVID? yeah it's a covid yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah covid because yeah. um yeah it's i think it's the same for a lot of people so it's uh it's been a difficult time but i mean you know i i, I thank god that i have uh, been working a lot before then so i'm able to use this time to kind of not worry too much and kind of how focus with uh, writing with my writing partner on developing a new few new projects so that's yeah. uh, so it's a blessing in disguise just going forward then i guess you know producing getting more involved getting your own projects off the ground that that is something you're super keen on on doing then you think moving moving forward and, and working more behind the scenes as well 
Yeah, I think this is that's the next stage of my career. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, being more of a content creator, uh, being more in, involved with the creative and production side of it, and then uh, but you know still producing stuff for myself and for my friends. But um, you know, but working more in that aspect and learning more about that stuff because I think I think right now I think um, to be in control of your career, you need to be a content creator. And if you look at the old Jackie Chan movies, uh, old Sam Hong movies, and Golden Harvest, you know, they all did their own production, they all did their own writing, they all did their own direction. They did. You know? So yeah, and those were some of the best movies. So I think um, I want to kind of maybe hopefully be able to follow that that route and create yeah. my own stuff. And there's still an appetite for action. You know, that's not a genre that's going to go out of fashion, is it? Let's be honest. Well, I mean, look look at look at all the movies you see now. You see yeah. all those kung fu action movies. I mean, those scenes that you can you before you can only find in, in kung fu movies. You find them in Avenger movies. You find them in yeah. low budget B movies. You find them in Bollywood movies now. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 it's like, it's ubiquitous, you know, it's everywhere. And it does seem to me that there is a return to this sort of style of action that you create, you know, a more grounded, realistic, martial arts fused style of fight choreography, which does seem to be very popular now, even in Hollywood's, you know, the John Wick's movies have that yeah. style of, of fight scene in them as well. So, you know, it's a great time, isn't it, really, for, for action cinema? Yeah, it's a great time, and uh, and you'd have to thank guys like you know, eighty seven eleven, you know, pumping out like yeah. John John Wick, those kind of movies, and you know, it's bringing the, you know, it's kind of really reinvigorating the genre, and also like it's proving to Hollywood that the, you know the fans like to see this stuff, you know, and I and I, I heard a story that they had to shop it to eleven studios, and none of them bought it, you know, and then but Lionsgate took took care of it, you know, John and, Wick, yeah, they had to fight yeah, for yeah. that, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, and but not, you know, and then now they 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 you know they help they help the rest of us you know um you know uh, be able to sell our work a little bit easier so and you know thank you to them but that's the weird thing isn't it because hong kong has used its stunt community and the action stars to direct films for you know that's been happening for decades but it took a while for hollywood to catch up there didn't it to actually let them let the stunt guys take over and say oh yeah you know you can actually make your own film here just just took a long time i think for them to catch up to hong kong yeah well but also you needed someone who's talented and also like yeah. not just have the, the will i mean you really need to have the skill set too and these guys did and then they made something that was enjoyable i mean in terms of storytelling i mean you know there's there's going to be you know where you know certain aspects of it that's very you know you can tell that's uh written by an action director but i mean but it's it serves the purpose of you know, driving the action and driving the movie forward. And it's very interesting. The most important thing is, I think, with the John Wick series, the the thing that they did right is the world building. You know, the yeah. world building is, it, it's, it's amazing. And it's, and then you fit that character within that world and you watch him do things. And it's, it's very, it's a very winning formula. And then, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's just surprising that Hollywood didn't pick up on it earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, typically, yeah, it's a little bit behind, isn't it, sometimes? But, um, Philip, this has been great to, to chat with you. And best of luck with the, the release of the movie in the States, Undercover Punch and Gun. I had a, I had a lot of fun with so it. Much. It's a really it's a good movie. Thank you so much. And all the best for you know your future future projects. Thanks a lot, Ben. Appreciate it. Okay, you have a good day. Okay, right, take care. Philip Ng there. Wonderful stuff so cool to chat to Philip, one of the coolest nicest and one of the biggest Hong Kong martial arts action stars currently working and he has been in some really great martial arts films just check out his filmography on IMDB I'll be sure to put a link to it in the description 
and um, Birth of the Dragon of course is an interesting film look whatever you might think of Birth of the Dragon or at least some of the decisions made in its storytelling you cannot deny that Philip is is just wonderful as Bruce Lee in that film and also Cheer You we should say is, is also great in that movie he plays Wong Jackman Bruce Lee's martial arts nemesis in that movie anyway look Philip's latest martial arts film is called Undercover Punch and Gun you can stream it right now on Haya TV in North America it is also available on Blu-ray DVD and digital courtesy of WowGo USA head to the website HayaTV.com and you can enjoy a free trial of the martial arts movie streaming platform you can follow Philip Ng on social media he is on Instagram his name there is at straightblast5 so that's the digit 5 and Philip is also on Facebook under his full name which is at Ingwanlong you can also read our review of Undercover Punch and Gun now on our website kungfumovieguide.com and be sure to check out the description of this podcast for any other links we'll put a link up to the trailer of the movie you can also read a bio that I've put together on Philipping and any other social media links and any other goodies that take my fancy so do go and check all of that out and I think that's it for today so thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the show and remember to like it share it leave a comment write a review tell your friends subscribe to the podcast join the mailing list follow us on social media so many options available to you guys the loyal food followers thank you so much for your support i will be back again with another brand new episode in our sixth season of podcasts in two weeks time Until then, my friends, do take care, stay safe, stay well, and I will speak to you all again very soon on the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Bye for now. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com